Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource, where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Welcome to the Elk Shake Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man. What up? What up? Uh, was, uh, yeah, I don't usually say that, but Nick the Trainer Dude, that's his coined phrase. I think he has a hat or a shirt that says, what up, what up? We're having Nick the Trainer Dude on today, guys, and I'm telling you right now, I've done a lot of podcasts, and this is probably up there in my top three, maybe even my favorite of all time, because Nick the Trainer Dude is contagious with enthusiasm and positivity and I knew I had to get him on he had one heck of a 2020 with uh, COVID shutting down his gym and his house getting burned down to absolutely nothing and he's had an interesting life lots of struggles lots of fighting and I love that I want to talk to winners, and Nick is a winner. So this is going to be one of my favorite podcasts ever. I think I'm going to really push hard to get as many ears as possible and bend them to listen to this guy. Man, it's super awesome. He is just a solid dude, loves the Lord, loves his family, loves working out, and loves helping people. He's a great bow hunter, and he's just full of energy and life, and I just love that about him. So you guys buckle up. This is one of the best podcasts I've recorded. I think it's going to be fire. You have to share this. If you're an iPhone user like myself, you can literally share and text this podcast. Pick five people that need some positivity and share it to them. Let's get it in their ear. Let's uh, let's do this. So without further ado. Yo, Nick, can you hear me? Dude, what up? What up? What up? What's Here up? we go. What up? What up? Dan, how you doing, man? 
I'm good, brother. How about you? Oh, you know, just uh, just hanging out in the gym all day long. Gym life. Nick the trainer, dude. You know the gym life. No, not anymore, but I... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you used to, though, I think, right? A little, yeah. Wake up super early, stay super late. Um, I don't know. Maybe wear jeans, like wear jeans to once a month. Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's the best part is you can just wear workout shorts every day. Yep, yep, that's cool. Dude, I'm so stoked to talk to you. You probably got clients coming in and stuff, but... We're good, bro. I, I got uh, everything just... We're set for as long as you need. I'm d- I started at 5 this morning, so I'm done for the day. Why'd you start so late? Exactly, right? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I was sleeping, and I slept at like 4.23 this morning. I'm like, oh, we got to do it again, bro. You got to get up. <laughs> <laughs> got to pay the man. Uh, well, Someone's got to. Dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to talk to you. I don't know what we're going to talk about exactly, but it's going to be fire. I want to talk about 2020. Because you got kicked in the balls pretty good in 2020, but that's you're no stranger to overcoming adversity. Absolutely. And so I want to talk about that, but uh, let's get to know you first, man. Like, So you and I have actually, I think we've met, but we've never got a chance to really kick it or work out together. It, yeah, no, I mean, I think we met one time down in Salt Lake City at the at a sportsman show. You were doing a booth down there, and I was just kind of down there hanging out. But no, we've never, I've known, I've known about you for a long time. I've followed your stuff for forever and uh just i love and appreciate everything you do and it's exciting to to watch it all i'm excited to be on here today and and like you said whatever we end up talking about i think that's great so that's cool well your story is a unique one we got time i know you're writing a book i know i want to buy the first copy but let's uh maybe go cliff notes version like nick uh nick was dealt to certain cards and how you played them Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, just a little bit, you know, I mean, I grew up in a pretty, you know, rough background. Both of my parents were, you know, addicted to drugs and alcohol. My mom had me when she was young, like 16 years old. And, um, you know, by the time I was like 14 or 15, I was already involved in a lot of, you know, bad things and ended up becoming a father at the age of 17 myself. And, you know, right around then I grew up with hunting a little bit and um, some people in my life you know, educated me on it. But, you know, at that time in my life, by 17, uh, I was already doing a lot of things I shouldn't have and ended up getting a girl pregnant. Um, you know, I went and enrolled myself in a rehab program when I was 17 years old, uh, enrolled myself back in high school. And, you know, the grind just started, you know, I, I, I knew that I didn't want to be living the life that I was living. Um, but the, you know, when you're 17, you don't have a lot of family support. I was, you know, uh, uneducated. You just, you just start working. But I had this vision of when I was a young man, the only things I ever wanted to be was a bodybuilder and I wanted to go hunting. And, and I kind of started both of those things at the same time. Although I didn't do a lot of hunting until my later into my twenties, just because I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get out there and be involved with any of that type of stuff. But those next 10 years, um, until I was probably 27 or 28 years old, man, I worked three or four jobs for year round. Um, I ended up having three baby girls with my first wife and it was just all a struggle. There was no real downtime or easy days, literally works 365 days a year for probably t- over 10 years straight. You know, I didn't have any days off and life was just a grind. And somewhere in my late twenties, I ended up doing a bodybuilding show. 
um, something I always dreamed about doing. I ended up winning it and it kind of kickstarted this whole thing for me that I could actually do anything I wanted, anything I believed in. And it was about that same time where I was really getting into like bow hunting more. And I ended up landing a job at the bow rack, um, and making arrows for Wayne Endicott over there at the, at the bow rack, which is where I first met Cam and ended up meeting a lot of these people that are now good friends in my life, man. But it was just those first 10 years where, you know, most people don't have three babies at 21 years old and, and are hustling three jobs or doing different things. So I, I didn't start out on the same foot. Most of the people did. Um, but you know, it's all about that, that daily work ethic and that vision of, uh, uh, it's what you talk about a lot. I watch your stuff, man. When it comes down to bow hunting, like you're, you posted something the other day and it was like the only goal in 2021 is to kill an elk. And, you know, back then my goal was just like, the only goal was to get out of this poverty, get out of this cycle of life that I'm living in. And it took me a lot of years. I didn't open up my gym till I was 33. And I started doing this when I was 17. And I pretty much lived in poverty for 10 straight years until I figured out a way to get out. And, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff we can get into as far as that part of the backstory. But, you know, it was it was uh, it's still hard. It's still a long road, but it's definitely life is a lot, um, you know, simpler now leading up to where I'm at today. But like you talked about, 2020 was a was a rough year. But I think all those things that I went through growing up and the challenges that I was faced with, um, you know, led me to dealing with situations like I was dealt in 2020 and. I just woke up the next day and went to work because I didn't know I didn't know any other way to make it happen. Dude, I love it. Okay, so we'll we'll go over some of those things. Uh, talk to me about being seventeen, which I look back when I was seventeen. Um, I was sort of a bastard at seventeen. I just a little shit, and uh, I don't think. I mean, there's could be nothing more of a like the only thing that I've like really cried about in my life is the birth of both of my children. It's something if you've never experienced, folks, it it's uh it's incredibly humbling experience. Talk to me about being a 17 year old snot nosed punk and witnessing your baby come into this world. Man, it was like for me because I just my dad wasn't really around. My mom was married by that time. My mom was married like five times. Um, by the time I was 17 and like, like I said, life was crazy. And I'm like, here I was like at 17 and I'm uh, just what you're saying. I'm, I'm there in the hospital. I'm about to become a dad and I'm crying and I'm just like, I'm like, holy cow, bro. This is it. This is your opportunity right now to, 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 to change everything about your entire existence and give love to this other human being, man. And I just, I'll never forget that being 17 years old. Um, having a baby, going to high school. Uh, I used to carry her on the bus because I, I didn't have a car because my car got uh, taken away because I couldn't afford insurance. And so I used to ride the bus uh, to high school with this little tiny like three-month-old baby strapped to my chest. And I was part of a team parent program in high school. So I went and attended regular high school, but I had to go to this class first thing in the morning. And there was 30 other kids in this class that were all from around the area that had babies young. I was the only dude. Right. And so, like, I like you said, I was cocky. I was snot nosed. I was fit. I was, you know, I did all these things. But there I was showing up to high school with a baby on my chest. You know what I mean? It was definitely a, a, a humbling experience. And but without that birth of that wonderful little baby girl who's now, by the way, I'm 41. She's 22. Um, 
I, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be here talking to you. I wouldn't be making the impact in this world that I'm making right now because I don't believe that I would have made the changes in my life that I needed to without her coming into this world and making me like, you're a dad now. And after all the mess ups I had from father figures, I just knew I was going to do every single thing that they did. I was going to do the opposite of that. And somehow I would make it happen. And that's exactly what I did. But it was crazy being a 17 year old dad. Like, uh, I remember having to go do laundry on my weekends. Cause I worked two jobs. I washed dishes and I worked for, a, a, I did an outreach work. So I worked with homeless kids and I would walk around handing out food and, uh, and to homeless kids and try to help get them off the street. And then, and then that's what I did on the weekends and after school. And then I went to high school, but like on Sundays I'd have to push my daughter in a stroller to the laundromat with all of our dirty laundry. Cause we didn't have a laundry machine, wash all of our laundry and then go to the grocery store, load the food up in my backpack, push the baby home on the stroller. And that's when I was 17 years old. And that was my Sunday afternoon. Right. And when everybody else at 17 was doing all these different things and every day was hard, bro. Every single day was harder than the, the next day. And there were the day before and the day before. And I kept wondering like, what's the point? But I just never gave up, man. I was like, I'm, I just refused to live the lifestyle that I was raised in. And I was going to do everything in my power to fight. And I think having that beautiful little baby girl at that time gave me a reason to live a different lifestyle. Mm, that's powerful. Winning a bodybuilding competition in your early 20s. Like, I want to dig in on that a little bit. I want to talk about uh, how the heck did you know what you were doing? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of bro science. There's a lot of just gym science. There's just a lot of like physiology to to create some certain levels of hypertrophy and then to be able to actually show off what you've created. It's a, there's actually, it's actually an artwork or an art form as well. And I want to, I want to investigate that. And I want people to know, like Nick and I have something in common. I think I have created an, an identity in the four walls of a weight room at the very young age, started, started working out. And I literally found myself. I found that this is what it's all about for me. This is where I can bolster my self-confidence, which is huge for people. And this is where I can create an identity of like, I can do anything. Like, look at all this hard work I put in here and look how it pays off. This is the formula and it's just transcended into anything else in my life. Talk to us about that. You know, right at the same time at 17, when I was young, you know, like I said, that, that vision of being a bodybuilder was part of that process, the vision of being a bodybuilder and a hunter. When I had that baby, that was the thing I did in my free time was I went to the gym. And exactly what you just said, without the gym, without the access to go there and and that foundation of, of what happened, like you said, inside those walls of that building, every day it like it, it gave me something to strive for. And deep down inside, I just wanted to be a bodybuilder and I wanted to do a bodybuilding show. So I just kept showing up and I started training pretty hard at 17 and it took, well, I was 25. So five, six, eight years of training before I actually stepped on a bodybuilding stage. And back then, you know, cause I'm 41, there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't all these, uh, you know, different things to like research. You basically had to buy a book you had to get muscle magazines, you had to read. And I would just get articles and read about dieting and read about training. And man, I implemented every sort of training you can ever imagine in between the ages of like 17 and 25. I tried every rep range, every everything I could. 
but I just kept going back and going back and going back. And finally at 25, I just got up the nerve to like finally go do a bodybuilding show. One, I was working three jobs and I was super poor. Um, and so I'd never even been to a bodybuilding show when I went for the first time. I had read thousands of magazines and I'd been going to the gym for eight years, but I was so poor when I went to that bodybuilding show, I couldn't even afford a hotel room. And I showed up the morning of the show and luckily they had a morning weigh in and I weighed in at 170 pounds and I'm five foot six. And, um, and then I did the prejudging. I tripped over my own feet when I was up there cause I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, and I literally fell down, but I think I had just had such a vision inside of my head of what I envisioned in my own head of what I wanted to look like that, that, that there I was on that day. And I remember after prejudging and for those of you who don't know about bodybuilding shows, they do a little judging in the morning and then they have finals at night. I didn't know any of this. And after prejudging was done, all the people, the contestants go back to a hotel room. They rest up for the night. Well, I didn't have a hotel room. So I just sat out the front door of the, of the little Coliseum area where they had the, the show at. And I waited till the night show came. And, and it was funny because that night when I finally had won my weight class, then I ended up winning the overall and all these people were taking pictures of me. And I was just like, and I'm just this little kid from the hood, right? Like, I'm just struggling, but I'm like, all. Oh, it felt like in that moment, it was one of the greatest moments of my, of my life, mainly because I finally did something that I'd been envisioning for eight straight years and grinding out. And to be honest, there wasn't a lot of science that went into it other than I just tried every single workout that I ever read about in a magazine and I would implement it and implement it. And I just paid really close attention and I took notes on every rep I ever did, every set I ever did. And I just kind of turned myself into a super freak at 25 years old with nothing but true grit and showing up. I mean, I didn't, I didn't miss a day, right? Like you're talking about, I just went and went and went and somewhere at the end of that line, you know, it just paid off. Mm. So you obviously, you win some bodybuilding. Um, I'm imagining your name is Nick, the trainer, dude, you're training people and stuff. Where are you training most of your athletes prior to opening your own gym? Um, I, I started out just in a regular. So once I won that bodybuilding show at 25, I, I hadn't even never trained a client yet. I'd never been a personal trainer. I didn't even know you could do that as a job. Um, and it was funny, right? As soon as I won that show, the next week, is when I ended up getting a job at the bow rack and I ended up getting a job at the gym and I quit all my other jobs and I started working in a gold's gym here in Springfield, which was right across the street from the bow rack. And I had been shooting league at the boat at the bow rack for like a year. And right after I won that show that November, that was in October. And in November, Wayne offers me a job at the bow rack making arrows. And then in the morning I started opening the gym as a front desk guy. And I became the janitor and the front desk guy at the gym and I was making arrows. And then slowly I just started figuring out, okay, I can be a personal trainer and I watched people do it. I got a certification and within six months I started training clients. Um, and that's just kind of how it came about. And literally for the next couple of years, I was the janitor of the gym. I was the general manager. I was the front desk guy and I was the personal trainer. And I was making arrows over at Wayne's shop um, at every free hour that I could. And that's how my whole journey started with both the fitness and the, and the hunting world for me was right around the age of 26, 27 years old. I started realizing that I could do these other things. And I just started training lots of clients, man. And I was the first one in the gym in the morning. 
and I was the last one to leave at night and I did every job there that you could possibly do. Um, and that's how I ended up getting the name Nick, the trainer dude was I was managing gold's gym and I had to drop some paperwork off at another gym over in Eugene. And when I went there, there was this guy standing there with his wife. I asked him if he needed any help. It wasn't my gym, but I was just doing my job. I helped him out. And he said that he was waiting for another trainer who slept in and didn't show up to train him. Well, it was a radio DJ and on a radio station here in town, it was called K-Duck 104.7. And he invites me in on the radio the next morning. And for eight years after that, I would go in on Wednesday mornings and answer health and fitness questions to the whole entire community. And um, the very first caller that ever called in just said, hey, is that trainer dude there? And literally from that minute on, it was like 2008. I just became Nick the trainer dude. It was kind of weird. Oh, that's and, gold. And, I love that. And that's that's literally how my name just became. And it was like three years before I could even call myself Nick the trainer dude. But every week I would go on the radio. So like 50, 60,000 people will hear my name and hear me talking. And all around town, people will be like pointing at me like, that's Nick the trainer dude. And I'm embarrassed, you know, because I'm not, I'm not used to anything like that. I'm pretty – you heard kind of how my life was. And, and all of a sudden it was just like finally I was just like, man, you're Nick the trainer dude. And then the gym thing in the gym started just blowing up and I started working more and more in the gym. And then um, eventually I just went uh, out and got out of the gym scene. And, and in 2013 um, I ended up opening up the studio where I train now. And that's just kind of how that whole story began was just about – I spent – well, from 2008 to 2013, just working in the gyms, being a trainer, the janitor, the whatever, anything I could do to just sit there and make enough money to provide for my family. Mm, I love that. Nick, the trainer, dude. That's a good story. I, um, I didn't plan on that coming up, but I think that answers one of my questions. The other thing I want to know about is, okay, man, I opened a gym up once on my own. I rolled the dice and I had some cash set aside, not a ton, but like my life savings and I bought gym equipment and had a few clients and was like, uh, yeah, just so you know, next week, next week, I'm not working here anymore. I basically decided to open my own gym down the road. Uh, if you want to come, that would be really cool. Uh, inside I'm thinking, please come, please come to my new gym. Um, but I tried to play it cool and didn't take a freaking paycheck for over a year, dude. Like for one year, I lived off, I lived at my dad's as a 26 year old for a year. I uh, actually met my wife too, by the way, and was like really fun dating, you know, your future wife living at your dad's house. Um, but dude, that's what it took. That's what I did. How did you, how did you do it, man? Like I look at your studio, it's really polished. It looks like it might just be you. You have a lot of equipment in there. Did you just Go get a loan. How'd you do this, man? Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you, like, this is just, the, you know, because we're just talking here. Like, I'm a big believer in the Lord. Like, my life was rough for a long time. And and somewhere along the line, the Lord, you know, just blessed me. And I just accepted the Lord into my life. And and so I'm, I'm, I'm it's 2013. And it was, it was, it was a great year for me. It was the year I met my wife, Maddie, who you see on my Instagram. Um, it was the year I got to go out of state elk hunting for the first time in my life. Mm. I'm, I'm broke though. Like I had to, I borrowed money to go on an out of state elk hunt because I just wanted to go real bad to Idaho, <laughs> right? And so I like, I go to the bank and I borrow a high interest loan so I could get 600 bucks so I can go to the bank. And it's, it's, it's August or it's might even be the first of September. 
and I'm talking to my future, my wife now, Maddie, about I want to open my own studio. I don't have, I have like 500 bucks to my name, right? I have three daughters at this time, by the way. My ex-wife had took off and left, so I was raising all three of my girls by myself. I'm working in the gym. I got about 500 bucks, but I got this new girlfriend, and I tell her I'm going to open up my own gym. And she's like, well, then do it, right? If you're going to talk about it, go do it. But I got no money. And I'm later that day, I'm training a client at, at 24-hour fitness. I'm telling my client how I'm going to open up my own studio, which I don't have a dime. I don't have a piece of equipment. I don't have nothing. A guy overhears me, this conversation, and he like rushes me. And he's like, dude, you need to come here right now. You need to, I need to show you something. He pulls up on Craigslist, the gym you see me in right now. And it says personal training studio, uh, you know, physical therapy office for lease. And I literally like looked at it and it was full of equipment. It was the same building I'm in right now. It was painted. It had the nice wood walls, the rubber mats, the mirrors. It was a gym. And it literally said for lease, you know, $1,200 a month, lease, you know, X amount of money down, blah, blah, blah. I called the guy up instantly. I met him the next day and I said, look, I got 500 bucks. It's all my money. It's hunting season. I'm leaving to Idaho for the first time in my life to go out of state elk hunting. I can't even start work until October 1st. How about you give me three free months rent? Let me get my business going and I'll start paying you rent in on January 1st. And this guy took the deal. Oh my this, God. This guy took the deal. All right. Like I had no money, but I just spent alone money to go to Idaho with Wayne Indicott. And I'm like, I'm finally getting to go bow hunting with Wayne Indicott. I gotta, I gotta go bow hunting. And then when I come back, so while I was gone, so anyway, I signed this lease and it's a year long lease. It's $1,200 a month. And I have about 15 regular clients that I train on a regular basis. And at that time I was contracting to the gym. I didn't work for them. So all of them just came with me. And I came back from bow hunting in September and October 1st of 2013, I opened the doors and I just blew up. It just blew up. Like it was like all my dreams, all the work, all the sweat from the years prior. And it, not, now that first year I was still struggling, but like he gave me three free months cause I asked him for it. And in January I paid my rent. And, and now it's eight, what is it? 2021, eight years later, I'm still here and I'm busier than you can ever imagine. I got a waiting list on one-on-one clients out the door and it was, it was a struggle, but all the years of struggling prior, when it finally came to fruitation, when I finally realized what was happening and I really believe it was just like me and my relationship with the Lord, right? That year, 2013, I got to go elk hunting out of state. I opened up my own gym. I met my future wife. But the years prior to that were so rough, bro, that most will never understand. My wife left me. She got a heroin addiction. She took off. I was raising three baby girls by myself. I was crying myself to sleep every night. I was going on the radio, putting a smile on my face. I was showing up training clients when I was in living in hell. And it was like something about that year, man. It was just like it just it just started showing up, man. The fruits of the labor just started coming through. And here I am sitting here talking to you, you know, eight years later. It's crazy. This is the best podcast I've ever done. <laughs> I'm telling you right now already. Folks know it. This is so cool, Nick, your story. God, God meant for you to do these things. And because he, you give credit to where credit is due. And that's something I'm, it's really on my radar. If you watch me kill elk on YouTube, I try. I try to always say thank you, God. All glory to Him, none to me. And that's 
Dude, God's going to continue to bless you, Nick. I guarantee that. Um, let's talk about a couple people in your life that you've met. Obviously, 2013 was pretty epic, but for those that don't know who Wayne Endicott is, um, I feel like Cameron Haynes has put the Borak on the map, but so has Wayne Endicott. He probably doesn't get enough credit. The dude's a legendary pro shop owner, and he's a legendary bow hunter. Um, how did you guys get connected? So, like, when I, when I, I told you I was young when I started bow hunting, I didn't have any help, so I bought my first bow from a, from a pawn shop. Cause I would drive by the bow rack, but I was like poor and young and I was scared to go in cause I was intimidated cause it was nice. And there's all these dead animals and like fancy stuff. And so finally one day I just like, I take my, you know, $80 browning bow I bought from a, from a pawn shop into the bow rack. And I finally, and I go in there and I just start shooting bows. And then they were all just, it was Wayne, a guy named Chris Phillips and another guy named Rick. And they worked in the bow rack, man. And they were just so nice to me the minute I walked in and, and so that summer, I just shot there, shot there, I ended up buying my first Hoyt bow that next January. I put it on layaway and, and, uh, that was 2004. And I just started kind of going in and getting to know these guys. And I didn't really talk to Wayne a lot. I talked to the younger guy who worked in there. And literally this is how, this is how, again, God works in my life, bro. Like, like I'm sitting there and after I won that bodybuilding show and I'd known Wayne a little bit, but not a whole lot. All I've been doing is shooting league in there and all they know me is this little muscly guy who always shows up in a tank top shooting bows, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about wanting to go bow hunting all the time. And Wayne literally pulls me aside. He said, hey, Nikki, can I talk to you? And I was kind of nervous because I didn't even know why Wayne wanted to talk to me. And he literally, he, he said this to me. He said, he said, yesterday you were in here and there was a gentleman that you spoke with that's been a customer of, customer of mine for the last six years and I've never had more than one conversation with him. And I was just so impressed by how you were having a conversation with this gentleman. I would like to offer you a job. And I was repoing cars at the time, selling merchandise for beer and wine for a company. And I literally like this dude offers me a job to work in the bow rack. And it's like a dream of mine to go bow hunt. Like I read Cam's book. I didn't know Cam, but I buy the Hoyt bow hunting book, you know, or the, the bow hunting trophy blacktail. And I'm like, carrying that thing around like I'm going to kill some blacktail buck or something. And here's Wayne, the guy in the book, offering me a job at the bow rack. And I literally went home to my wife that night, and I was like, I'm quitting my other jobs. I'm going to work at the bow rack. And she's like, you're crazy because it was like 10 bucks an hour or something like that. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was there's no way I was going to survive. But I took the job anyway, and that's how I started working for Wayne in 2000 and uh, like November of 2005. Wayne sat me down. He just said, I want to offer you a job. I quit repoing cars and I started doing that. And then I literally a month later started in the personal training, but that's how I started to get to know Wayne was he just offered me a job and I showed up to work and I just started working for him and Lisa. And, uh, and that's kind of where it all started. It was 2000 and, uh, 2005. I started making arrows at the bow rack. Yeah. So Wayne and Lisa Endicott, uh, just, in the the small bow hunting world, to me, in my at least my eyes, they're legendary. Their 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 shop is on the map. I think it's on people's radar, and I just have so much respect for that family and what they stand for, their values. I've been to the shop, and so it was really cool. I was I was in your neck of the woods um, many years ago doing a video with Cameron for Bow Hunter Magazine TV, and we. Uh, let's see, Larry D. Jones was filming, which was funny. I felt like he should have been. Yeah, and and he, we went over to the you know the bow rack, so I got to see it. But um, 
yeah, you've met some incredible people. One of those people that you've met and have a great relationship with, we'll talk about is Cameron, Cameron Haynes. Um, so I got to get Cam on this podcast. I have not asked him to do it yet because I felt like I, it almost would be better if it was in person because it seems like that might be more his style. But I, I am going to get you, Cameron Haynes, on this podcast. But when I first got into bow hunting, man, like I didn't read magazines about it. I literally killed a bull with a rifle and was like, dude, I got to kill these things when they're bugling. And so yeah, I didn't know anything about bow hunting. I just bought a bow so I could hunt elk. And that was at age 20. And then my personality is pretty all or none. I started like literally, bought, I was a trainer at age 20 and I had a lot of clients and I lived at home. So I just bankrolled and bought every resource you could imagine. Every VHS, every, like I called Eastman's bow hunting journal on the phone and said, I need every bow hunting edition magazine that you ever printed sent to me. And they're like, okay. And they did. They, they, <laughs> and so I, that's how I found Cameron because he was uh, either a contributor or the editor. And yep. he would write these articles that would like literally fire me up so much to go bow hunting. The dude, I feel like he was writing to me like just – and so I looked up to him immediately. And, and since then, he's a really good friend. I would say he's done more for me than I've done for him, which I wish I could flip that around. But he, he's just always – anything I've ever asked of him, he's always given more. So let's talk about your relationship with Cameron Haynes because he is definitely um, an icon in the sport of bow hunting, which you love. How did you guys meet? Tell us about your relationship and where you're at today. So I, I, one of the things that got me into bow hunting was his bow hunting trophy blacktail book, which I picked up at like a sportsman's warehouse a couple of years before I ever even worked in the bow rack or knew any of these guys. So I started reading his book because I was, I wanted to learn how to hunt. Like, just like you, I was out reading every single thing I could read. I was like, I was trying to educate myself because I just wanted to go hunting. I didn't really know how to elk hunt then at all. Really. I'd never even been elk hunting, didn't even know about it. Cause I, I didn't, I wasn't raised in that world. So it was just like, man, but I want to go do this deer hunting. And, and so I read and read and read, and that's what got me to the bow rack. And I remember, uh, working at Wayne's and, and Cam would come in occasionally like Cam does. And Cam, by the way, just so anybody listening, when you see what Cameron Haynes is doing right now in his day to day life, he was doing the same thing back in 04 or 05 when I was making arrows, Cam would come in, he would shoot his bow he would run the mountain and he would lift weights. And that's all he did. He didn't talk about it back then much, but that's just what the dude did. But I remember the first time Wayne was like, hey, you're making Cam's arrows. I was nervous as you can ever imagine, bro. Like I was just like, there's no way I'm making Cam Haynes arrows, right? The guy in the book, in the, in the magazines. And so I didn't really, he would come in and I would say hi to him. But I think because I was super fit and Cam loved fitness, he would talk to me a little bit and we never really hung out like I didn't I don't even remember like I think it was 2011 before I killed my first bull in the wilderness and I had talked to Cam over those four or five years a little bit but we had never hung out one time like ever it was no there was no like there was just communication inside the bow rack and I would I was watching how all the great things he was doing in the sport of bow hunting and so it was like this it was the summer of 2011 we end up shooting some bows together out at Wayne's house, talking a little bit. So got to know him a little bit more. And I killed my first bull in the wilderness and had to pack that thing out. And it was just my whole first experience of that wilderness bull. And I finally got one. It was 2011. 
And at this time, I'm in the gym full time managing the gyms. Cam goes out of his way. He hears about that I shoot this bull in the wilderness. He goes out of his way and he comes by the boat, the, the gym, and he drops me off a T-shirt, one of his old Ridge Reaper T-shirts that he signed Cameron Haynes on it. And he drops me off this T-shirt while I was managing the front desk at the gym. And I remember just being in like awe that Cam was actually like went out of his way. He was like, he just appreciated so much that I had killed a bull in the wilderness. He just wanted to like give me a t-shirt. And I remember asking Cam that night, I'm like, Hey, maybe we should work out together. And he goes, you come run with me and I'll come work out with you. And so, uh, we went out to a park, uh, Alton Baker park here in Eugene and Cam made me do uh, one mile repeats for four miles. Now let's remind you at this time, like I'm a 170 pound guy. I was like 220 then, just lifting heavy weights, eating everything under the sun. Running was not on my radar, right? But I wasn't going to miss the opportunity to go run with Cam. And so I show up, and Cam pretty much killed me for four straight miles on these mile repeats. And then Cam, the next day, met me at the gym, and we trained legs together, and I crushed him on his legs. And literally from that minute on, for like probably two and a half years, me and Cam just worked out every day together. And we just became great friends. Mm, that's cool. Um, that dude can run. Um, it's it's kind of gross how good at running he is. Like, he's just talking on his Instagram story, like, casually talking and probably running six-minute miles. It's stupid. But yep, you crushed him on legs, huh? Did you guys uh, go to the leg press, the squats? What would you do? We, no, we squatted. Of course, right? I love squats, right? So just like you, I love doing squats. So of course, I'm going to try and get him on something on my game. But he never crumbled. He he never crumbled though. Like he wasn't as no. strong as me back then. But he still got under there. And I remember he he doesn't really train legs much anymore because he's running a lot. But I remember I put Cam like Cam really never dieted at all. So I got to put Cam on like a a really he was dieting like he ate super clean. But I fed Cam a really strict like high protein low carbohydrate diet. And I remember Cam went from 14% body fat, which wasn't really that bad. He was still pretty fit in six weeks. He dropped down to 6% because he was so active. Oh his yeah. Body was fed the right amount of food. He just went bam, you know, and that was right when Cam was like starting to blow up on like social media. Cause it was like 2011, you know, I don't even think Instagram was out yet, but Cam was already just Cam and he always come in and, and, and he would, he just, he was just the coolest, like, and like you said, like Cam's given me way more than I could ever give him. Like, and, and for years, like, I mean, cause he's my idol, like even still today, like I don't really lift with Cam that much anymore just cause our schedules are different and family values are a little bit different for me and all these things. And my times just don't jive with it. But like Cam's just, uh, not only is he an amazing bow hunter and ultra runner, he's one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life. Like when you get to know Cam and his family and, He's just a great man, and I feel blessed just to have him in my corner and the fact that I got to, like, know him and his support in all my endeavors of what I've accomplished over the last eight years. So much of that has came from Cam, and, and he's just a – people look up to him for lots of different reasons, but he – right now as you and I are sitting here talking about – you're doing what you love. You're doing podcasts and living your dream, and I'm living my dream working in a gym – that dude's legitimately just sitting in his office right now and grinding out paperwork, right? Like he getting ready to go run because he's like Superman. And, but he's just a different beast, bro. He's a whole different human being like I've never met before in my entire life. Oh, I feel that. I feel that. Well, we're going to fast forward to 
2020, man. Like, uh, people knew that you're coming on the podcast because I teased it and I told them, look, this dude's house burnt down. His gym's been shut down, but guess what? I know a little bit about Nick, the trainer, dude. He's no stranger to getting his teeth kicked in and having that, like that doesn't fade you, bro. So let's go through this year, the little bit of the bumps in the road and how you've overcome them. Man, the year started out great, right? 2020. It was like, I was finally getting ready to book my second trip to uh, to Maui and I was going to go hunt some Axis deer with my family because I'm like, you know, life's a little bit different for me now and I get to actually go on vacation. So we had like just booked the trip to, to Maui and I'm like getting stuff ready. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm shooting my bow every day. I'm training my clients. I had set my schedule up down here at the gym the year prior to where I only work three 16 hour days and then I give myself four days off with my family. So I work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 4 a.m. until 8 p.m. But then I have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off, right? So the year was just awesome because I got I got four days off a week. I'm still hustling down at the grind. I'm training. I'm in shape right now. And I'm shooting my bow because I'm going to go to Maui. And we're going to, uh, you know, hunt axis deer again, which was just like couldn't ask for a, a better start to a year. Obviously, COVID hit. Um, and around that March – into March, beginning of April. And in Oregon, like a lot of places, they just shut the gyms down, bro. And I was just like my whole world. I just like went home one day and I couldn't believe that I couldn't wake up the next day and go to work. Like, like all, and everybody was scared, right? It was all when it first came about and like, Oh crap, this is real. People are dying. There's this virus. And I shut my gym down for three weeks. Um, by the third week I had made a decision that I wasn't going to stay closed anymore. And I got on my Facebook, on my social media. I lost half of my clients because a lot of people live in fear and COVID. They weren't coming back. And I literally went from having a stream of income to dead income in a matter of friggin' days, bro. And it was like, what am I going to do? But again, like you said, I literally got up on that day and I made a post on my Facebook and I said, hey, this is what's happening. I'm going back to work. And within one day, I was booked completely again by all brand new people, and I started over, right? There I was again, three weeks into COVID, I opened my gym back up, and I've been running full force ever since, and I'm just back at my life. I'm working. Things around me are different. The community's different. People are, uh, you know, everything that we've been watching in the whole world has been going on all year, right? But, like, I got a Wyoming elk tag in my pocket, okay? I had to cancel my Maui trip because of COVID, so we decided to cancel that trip. But I've been waiting five years to go back to Wyoming. I got a Wyoming elk tag in my pocket. I'm running. I'm lifting. I'm training my clients all summer long. Like, my wife's going to go bow hunting with me this year. Man, summer was great. Me and my kids, we fished on the raft. We live on the Mackenzie River here in Oregon. And we were, like, I'm four days off a week, bro, just chilling with my family. Like, we're fishing. We're hanging out. COVID's happening. But I'm still thriving because I took a chance to just open back up and just keep working and keep grinding. Like all of a sudden, like I'm thriving. I'm making money. Life is good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, September rolls around. It's like you. It's my favorite month of the year. I can't be like more fired up. I take a trip hunting over in eastern Oregon. I go find find a pocket of elk. It's about seven hour drive for me. Um, I come home after the opening weekend. And we go back over for Labor Day. I got my two best friends and my wife, and we're there for four days, unsuccessful on harvesting an elk. Had a lot of good encounters. Um, get home about 5 p.m. on Labor Day. And it's it's weird outside, bro. It's There's smoke. 
there's me and my wife are tired. We just drove seven hours each way, backpack hunted for four straight days. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. Your brain's a little washed out, tired. Literally at nine o'clock, we go to sleep. And uh, man, I got a text or a, uh, an alert on my phone at 12.33 a.m. And it says, emergency alert, evacuate your house immediately. And man, I, of course you get out of bed and I'm like, what the heck's going on, man? And I kind of look around. I've been asleep for like three hours. I got to get up in three hours and be back at work. And I'm like, I, I just happened to, I, I read the, the deal and I go outside, bro. And I look around and the highway where I live is just bombing with traffic, like hundreds of cars. And there's so much ash in the air that you can't even see in front of you. It looked like Armageddon. I can't see flames yet. But I can see just ash. My, my, my driveway, my cars had like an inch of ash all over it. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is real. My, like, there's a fire coming. And I wake my boys up. I get my wife. I get our two dogs. I had a, a tote from bow hunting with some, like some survival stuff sitting next to the door. And a laundry basket full of our clothes, of the boys' clothes, our sleeping bags, my boots, and both my wife and I's bow, just because it was sitting by the door, I throw it in the back of my truck, and we drive into town and come sleep at the gym because we had to evacuate. And it was like driving out of hell that night because it's 12.30 in the morning. There's hundreds of cars. It's taken me an hour and a half to drive what normally takes 20 minutes. You don't know where the fire is. You don't know if people are burning. You don't know anything. You're just trying to get out. And survival mode kicked in, and I got the boys. My wife's in front of me in her car, and I'm just going to do no matter what. I'm going to get out of this area so I can get to town. And you know, we come. I come to work, and and that next day is kind of crazy. It's scary. That the whole area, our whole valley, is just covered in smoke. And there's a giant forest fire right up by my house, like miles away from my house. And that night at 9 p.m. Um, a buddy that's up there fighting the fire messages me and, uh, and, and he asked me for my address and I give him my address, bro. And then he, uh, uh, he, you know, he like, he didn't want to, he didn't want to have to tell me, right? Like he calls and he's just like, Hey, bro, I need to talk to you. And I'm sitting in someone else's house. It's nine o'clock at night, 24 hours after we've been evacuated. And, uh, he just said, he just said, bro, it's, your house is gone. <laughs> and mm, I had to, I had to look over at my wife and, uh, and I had to tell my wife that our house just burnt to the ground. Everything was gone. And, uh, and that was, that was Labor Day, man. That was September, bro. <laughs> that was my favorite month of the year. And, uh, there, there. I had to look over at my wife and tell my wife that our house just burned to the ground and there was nothing left. And he sent me a picture and everything we owned, man, burnt to the ground in one night. Mm. And it was like, you know, I did some crying and uh, I'm a pretty positive dude, right? <laughs> and uh, I wake up the next morning or I didn't really sleep that night. And I left the house at about 6 a.m. because we're staying in someone else's house. And I drove down to my gym. And I was bawling and bawling and crying. And, and I literally just grabbed the mop bucket, bro. And, and I just started cleaning the gym because in my life, when stuff got hard, 
I didn't know what else to do but wake up and get back to work, keep hammering, Cam's bottle, right? Like, get, let's do this. And and that was the weirdest day of my life, bro. I just came into work and I just started cleaning and crying and cleaning and crying. And and that was September fourth, September fifth of you know, twenty twenty, bro. I had to like people were showing up to my gym, like, you know, talking to me and like hugging me and like and we had to face the fact that everything that I had just came from, all that hell. And I had built this beautiful home, all of the, all my mounts, my animals that I had harvested, my kids' clothes, our guns, our, our everything that we had owned, bro, it just melted to the ground. And I had to like, I had to, I had to get back on the horse. And I literally like, my wife actually looked at me that next day and she goes, today, I just don't need your positivity. She goes, tomorrow, you can bring it to me. <laughs> but she goes, I need a day to just let it all sink in. But I just started getting back to work, bro. I didn't, I didn't know what else to do, man. I just like, and, and I just started, I just showed up to work the next day. My clients are like, you know, you can take the day off. You can do this. And I'm just like, it's just not how I function. Like there ain't nothing I can do about it. It's gone. And, and we're still struggling with it, bro. It's been four months. Okay. We just barely moved into our a rental house. We've had to go buy every single thing brand new. Every day we're at the store buying stuff over this last month, couches and chairs and TVs and forks and knives and shirts. And the hardest thing for me, mainly because I'm I, maybe a little bit selfish for me, is I'm sitting in this little room of mine and there's no animals, right? Well, from 2008 till now, like my biggest dream was hunting. And I was, I'm not a great hunter. I haven't killed stuff like you or Cam. Like I get out there and get after it, but I killed four or five bulls in the wilderness I killed some axes, deer, some bucks, all with my bow and antelope. Well, that I had all those things to look at, and there's nothing there right now, bro. All those things are gone, and all I have is these memories inside of my head. And I have to wake up today and keep working toward that vision of where I was when I was a kid and get up and grind no matter what. And I think all that stuff I went through when I was younger really helped me understand how I was supposed to deal with this situation here because – it's nothing you can prepare for, but all the things I went through, my, the Lord, my beliefs, my faith, like it, it, I'm in a, here I am. And I know this is odd to say, but I'm in a better situation in January of 2021 with my faith, with my family, with my money, with my business than I would have ever been if my house didn't burn down. Hmm. And it was just. I don't know, man. It's the it's the hardest parts right now with my wife because we're moved into a house and we have to go buy everything, but none of the stuff is ours. So every day she's sad because she's remembering all the things we had and all the things are gone, right? And and together we gotta we gotta keep each other, you know, moving in the right direction because it's been a it's been a long three and a half four months. Um, I made the decision in September to still go to Wyoming and hunt elk. Um, because there was nothing else I could do and I'd worked hard all year. So me and my buddy loaded up in his truck and drove 26 hours to Wyoming and, uh, went on a phenomenal elk hunt. Uh, my buddy ended up killing a nice five point in the wilderness. Um, I had shot a nice bull, um, which we unfortunately never recovered. It was a super just unfortunate situation. And, but the next day after I had shot that bull, I knew I had killed that bull. Bad rainstorm came in blah, blah, blah. It was a rough situation. We never found it, but I was just done hunting. We went for about five days and 
I got what I needed out of out of that hunt, and then it was time to come back home and take care of my family, and uh, and you know move forward with our lives. So, you know, that's kind of how 2020 went, bro. So powerful. This podcast, I told you, this is the best podcast I've ever done. I'm still saying that, man. Uh, I love your story. I love your fire. I love your energy. I guess I want to kind of sunset this podcast with like Nick the Trainer, dude. Been through some shit. Uh, you think you've been through some stuff? Maybe not. I know I certainly haven't been through anything comparatively to you, but it's uh, we all have our demons. We all have our things we do. I know where you get your strength from. And you know where I get mine. But let's talk about the people listening that don't know you. They don't know me. They come in here every week. And they don't know it. But they listen to this podcast because they're trying to get fed. I'm not, they're not trying to, I'm not trying to feed them on some secret elk spot or some secret elk tip or archery tip that's going to change the game for them. It's all distills down to hard work. So that's what I want to talk about because that's all I know. That's all you know. This is your podium step up there and preach hard work and what people can do for 2021 to make it the best year yet well i think just like you just said like we talked about for both of us like you you just mentioned people right now there's a lot of new bow hunters and i'm assuming that's mainly a lot of the people that follow you elk shape right people are like they're wanting fed information because they want to go be successful i'm imagining right that's why people are going to listen to your podcast that's why I follow you. I, I, I'm like, what's that guy doing? You know, how's he doing that? How's his workouts going? What's he, what's he doing differently? How is he killing bulls every year? Right. And I'm watching and here I am all these years in, but I'm still trying to learn. And I imagine these people that are getting on there, they're doing the same thing. Just like I did with Cam's book or you did with Eastman's hunting journal. And, and I think the biggest thing that we can all do is we have to have a vision. And again, I'm going to bring it up again, but you, you posted something not too long ago and it was like, dude, vision is, is 2021 killing elk because you have such a strong vision. You're going to make that happen. You're going to do everything in your power to put yourself in a position to make that happen. And it's no different from you starting your gym or you probably building your business the way you're making your money now completely off of the wall. But you have ways that you're making it happen because you have a vision. And without that vision, you're just going to be floating around. You have to literally figure out what it is that you want. And if you don't know what you want, just keep staying busy and trying things until you figure out what it is that you want. But when you wake up one day and you wake up before the alarm clock goes off because you have a vision of what you want out of your life, maybe your marriage, maybe your faith, maybe your, your family, maybe your business, your money, your bow hunting, bodybuilding, whatever it is, when something wakes you up because you are so passionate about it, you will become successful. There is no doubt in my mind. And if you don't know what that is, Keep searching for it. Keep looking for it. Keep trying. Keep trying things until you just wake up one day. And I believe, I really believe this. All of us have something inside of us that we're super passionate about, but we're scared. How are we going to make it happen? How are we going to go kill a bull elk in the wilderness? How are we going to become a national champion bodybuilder when you came from nothing? How are you going to open a gym and be one of the most successful people in the area or all over the place in this industry when you had no formal education of it? Because passion gets me out of bed at three something every single morning my whole entire life. Go find and create that vision. And I guarantee you when you find that and you feed that, just like you're saying, you feed that vision, 
you will become successful and your dreams and your your visions will become a reality and you will one day be living it just like I'm sitting here talking to you right now. I literally remember telling the guy I want to be a bodybuilder and I want to go bow hunting when I was like 18, 19 years old. And all I'm doing in my life right now is bodybuilding and bow hunting and I make a living doing what I love, but my passions are doing exactly what I wanted to do over 23 years ago. And I had to go through a pile of hell to make it happen, but I never, ever gave up. Mm, there's fire for you folks. Okay. Last three things, faith, family, and fitness. We're, I want to ask you a question on each one. So yep. I'm almost 40. I have a walk with the Lord. I don't talk about it a lot on this podcast, believe it or not, but I'm also not ashamed and I don't care if people dislike or unfollow. I don't, God's always provided for me, but yep. to me, my faith has always distilled down to discipline as well. Like yep. I could, would not be lying. If I said, once I've made the coffee in the morning, I have a choice to go straight out to the gym, straight down to the office or straight over to that book and get in the word. And every day I literally have to make a decision. It's up to me to decide. And I don't always make the best decision. Let's hear your take on faith and discipline and how they go hand in hand. So I, I mean, faith, I just, I just, I start every single morning with prayer. There's not a day that goes by and it don't matter where I am or what I'm doing, but the Lord has just, once I started implementing prayer in my life, like my life just got so much better that I'll never not live that way. I'll, if, if you and I were here right now or, or, it, and it came across my heart that I needed to pray, like, I didn't even know what that used to mean, but I, I just pray, right? I'll just, I'll just, Hey, we're just going to pray right now. Like there's, I have so many different testimonies with my relationship with the Lord that we don't even have time on this podcast to even go into them. But I just believe that like, if your heart is telling you to pray or to study the word, take the five minutes and do it every single day, because you have to like, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about us killing an elk. It's about what are we leaving? What is our legacy that we're leaving? And for me, I want to know, I want people to know. And I do share a lot of, you know, on my Facebook page, I pray a lot, you know, and I don't know. I'm not, to be honest, I've never really studied the Bible a whole lot. I don't go to church a whole lot, but I have a stronger faith in a relationship with the Lord more than 99% of the people that I know. But I just, I just wake up every day and I thank the Lord for my children. I thank them for my wife. I thank the Lord for the blessings that I have. And I thank the Lord for, for, and I ask the Lord, the only thing I ask of the Lord every single day is to let me not worry about the things I cannot change. And every day I'm like, Lord, don't let me worry about my money. Don't let me worry about my, 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 the things I can't control, but just give me the strength and the wisdom to understand what it is you're trying to do here with me in this life. And that's, all I can really say about that faith is every day I just I give my worries to the Lord and I thank the Lord for every single thing that I have every day. Enough said. Moving on to family. Um, you've you're a father. Yep. You're a husband. We know that being a husband is obviously that's your first calling is and um, I guess we could call this unsolicited marital advice, but I don't think that's the right term. But like. What would you say, what are some of the most 
key action items that you do on a daily basis that has made your marriage thrive, not die? Number one is listen. Yeah, exactly. It Listen, like, and that's a, that's a skill I think that takes time to learn, right? Like, like you, you, we need men, people, I think a lot of people listen to this podcast or women, we need to learn to listen to each other. We don't, and communication. Um, the, the, I would say that's probably the number one thing where people make mistakes in, cause I, I'm not a counselor or a therapist, but I hang out with 50 people for half hours at a time all day long. And so I get to hear what's going on in people's lives, their marriages, their families, all this stuff. And no one's listening to each other. Um, you have to take the time to, to make sure you're spending time with each other. And it's not always going to be easy, right? You're not always going to wake up every day and have everything grand with this spouse, this person you're living with. Things are going to be rough. You're busy. You got your vision. She's got her visions. You got your visions together. There's all these things, but you have to be able to communicate and you need to be able to listen to each other to be able to deal with whatever situation comes about and, 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 and support each other. I remember earlier last September, you had mentioned something. I don't, I can't remember. I don't remember exactly what it was, but you said something about, about how your family, your wife before hunting season, you talked about feeding your family and it wasn't like feeding them with food, but it was feeding them with your time and your love before you can go out and enjoy five to seven days in the wilderness because I'm sure you've experienced it going out as much as you do. If everything's not good at home with your family, you're not going to enjoy that time out in the mountains. You're going to struggle. So making sure that you're doing your job as a man to show them all those things we just talked about, the faith, the fitness, the, the family by spending that quality time together. So everything's ready to rock and roll when it comes time for you to leave and go do the things that we love to do, because you and I both know our families make a giant sacrifice for us to go do those things because we're away. And there's a lot of responsibility with families, with kids, with wives, when we go ahead and we try to take off for a week to 10 days at a time and then do multiple trips like that per year, there's a giant sacrifice. And so making sure that all those boxes are checked before we go do things like that. And not just for hunting purposes, but just in general in life is I, I, I would say the number one thing. Okay. Lastly, fitness, bro. You and I both haven't talked about fitness at all. We could keep going another hour. Um, I think, you know, like I definitely have a strength and conditioning kind of background, speed, agility, acceleration, deceleration, elasticity, blah, blah, blah. Then I was a CrossFit coach, got super into CrossFit. Now I would consider myself an Olympic weightlifter or weightlifting for those that don't know, a power lifter. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm a CrossFitter and I'm a, I'm a hiker. I'm a rucker. I, I like to do a little bit of everything. And I'm not married to any type of fitness, but I would love for you to kind of sum summarize Nick the Trainer Dude's approach to fitness as it pertains to my audience, the elk shape people. I would, I, I would say right off the bat, number one is for a guy like me that looks at all your stuff, it's like it's advanced, even though you break it down very simple to people, which is what I love. I would say um, fitness when it comes to the elk shape audience, number one is or just elk hunters in general. Yeah, just elk, elk hunting in, in general is number one is we have to have good strong lungs. 
We have to have an overall strong body. We have to have a strong mind. We have to be able to hike or run or do all these things. And obviously, like in your training, I watch. There's a lot of leg strength, which I 100% agree with more than anything. we got to have strong legs. But I think and when I look at it or when someone comes to me, if I, when I make an approach for someone to get in shape for elk hunting or something like that, I have a little motto I go by. And one, it's 10 minutes of, of, of warm up, whether it's a light jog or a stretch, it's 10 minutes of stretching after your warm up. It's 30 minutes of some sort of circuit training. And then it's followed up with 20 to 30 minutes of cardio. So for the average person that's listening to this podcast and they don't even know where to start, like, how do I start getting in shape? Well, we need to, we need to warm up. We need to stretch. We need to do some sort of strength and conditioning, whether that's Olympic lifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding, you need to train your body 30 minutes, and then you need to do some sort of cardiovascular activity, whether that's hiking or running or walking on a treadmill or a bike, but you need to start with that hour and 10 minutes three to five times a week. And then as you advance into this training world, that 30 minutes of training can get as, as advanced as you like it to where the level you're at or the level I'm at with training. And then it might turn into something a little bit longer than just 30 minutes, but making sure that whole spectrum is there. Warm up, stretch out, strength train, a little bit of cardio. And when you take the average person that's listening to this, that's been sitting on the couch for a couple years, or they're going to try elk hunting and how do I advance, get better. If you implement that system and then you constantly are changing up the way you're training and the way you're doing cardio, you're going to get your mind and your body ready for the mountains. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Nick, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, dude. Um, favorite podcast. Seriously, I've done so. I've done like eight podcasts this week. That's an anomaly for me. That never happens. Just really enjoyed is what I'm trying to say. I just really enjoy you. Uh, your personality is fire. Well, I'm like uh, to be honest too. Like I, I I look at your page every day, man. I I don't I don't I don't follow a whole lot of people. Like I'm busy with my life and stuff. But I love like I love your family values. I really do. Like because I'm a family guy. Like I just love like how much your family means to you and the work you put in. And I just love your like your dedication to killing an elk. And then I just love the fact that you're like, we're the same age roughly and you're making a living somehow doing what you love. And you and I, like, I don't really like, again, this is our first time talking, but like, I've always kind of just felt like we're maybe different backgrounds, but I just love how we live our lives and we're really similar in a lot of ways. And, and I just, I, I appreciate you and I'm just super happy that things are just going and you're doing the things that you love to do. And I'm just, I appreciate you get reaching out to me and, and I'm more than happy and grateful to be here chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit more. So. Mm, thank you, man. Likewise. I feel that listeners, my squad, my people, thank you so much. You got a lot of choices when you listen to podcasts. Thanks for picking this one. I want you to check out the show notes. I'm going to put a link to his Instagram. Nick's got a super fabulous Instagram. He doesn't post a lot of fluff, and uh, he's on Facebook as well. I'll, I'll put a link to all that, including his website. But honestly, just give him a follow. This guy is fire. And uh, thanks for carving out time for us, Nick. And thanks for carving out a pathway to show people how to overcome adversity. Appreciate you guys. Separations in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Did I disappoint you? 
Did Nick disappoint you? I didn't think so. That was straight fire. Nick, thanks for coming on. I really got nothing but love for you. I appreciate you making time for the Elk Shape Podcast and sharing your story. I love it. I want as many people to hear it as possible. Guys, you got to share this one with your friends. Uh, where am I right now? I don't even know. At the time of this podcast, I'm somewhere between probably Tennessee, Ohio, doing Elk Shape Camps. Um, I just wanted to appreciate you guys for listening and I wanted to reward you with some discount codes. Some of these are with my partners and some of these are not. So it's just to add value. Let's get to it. Vortex wear, great clothing, great optics, great tripods, all that kind of stuff. You can use that discount code elk shape to save 20% off their apparel line, their lifestyle clothing brand. Look it up, check it out, save some dollars. Wilderness Athlete is the supplements that I use. The discount code is ElkShape30. That'll get you 30% off your first purchase. Stow Away Gourmet out of Oregon, not too far from Nick the Trainer, dude. They make the best freeze-dried food. Discount code ELK10. Thank you guys for giving that to us. Another one's Black Ovis. It's a really good online retailer. They sell just about anything hunting gear-wise. You can use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock 10% off. There's some exclusions, but not many. And you can get anything from packs, boots, clothing, arrows, you name it. Check it out. Baku e-bikes. We're doing the uh, ELKSHAPE camp, the last one of the year in Ogden, Utah, at the Baku Archery Center. It's going to be fire. But these guys have got us a discount code. If you're getting an e-bike, get one made for hunters by hunters. Discount code is ElkShape300. That'll knock 300 bucks off your purchase. Tag Hub, it's what I use to do my uh, research for every state's draw process. Uh, discount code is ElkShape15. They're not a sponsor. It's just hooking you guys up. Numa Outdoors, my new partnership for 2021. I'm wearing all their clothing systems, getting a lot of feedback. People are digging it. We got a discount code for you. Knock 20% off. Go to numaoutdoors.com, discount code ELKSHAPE20, knock 20% off. Last but not least, my baby, the Elk Collective, the number one digital elk hunting resource, virtual online course, video-driven, so much content you can't even get through it. Discount code is ELKSHAPE Podcast. That'll knock 25 bucks off that. Thanks again for listening, guys. Remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.